yeah. So feel free to introduce yourself and then we can begin. All right, so my name is Robert Roth and I'm a co-founder of the Haiti Action Committee, which we, um, which began 30 years ago. This is our 30th anniversary of consistent solidarity with the grassroots movement in Haiti. And I'm also a board member of the Haiti Emergency Relief Fund. And I've been an educator for the last 35 years working in San Francisco Unified School District as a teacher and instructional coach. And thank you for having us. Of course, yeah, and congratulations on your on your 30th anniversary. So to begin it, I'd like to start, I guess, in trying to map and understand the current crisis in Haiti uh, after the assassination of, uh, of Jovenel Moïse with the 2004 US-backed coup against uh, US intervention against uh, Aristide. So can you explain a little bit more about the context and kind of walk through what happened with the coup and the removal of Aristide from power by the US? Right, well, <clears throat> I think that, you know, it's a good question because you can't understand the situation in Haiti today without understanding the coup of 2004. So it was February 29th, 2004, and Aristide was in office, John Bertrand Aristide, you know, who was the leader of the Lavalas movement, which then later became the Fami Lavalas political organization, a political party. Um, he was Haiti's first democratically elected president in 1990. The US overthrew him in a coup on September 30th, 1991, after seven months in office. And then he came back into power again in the election of 2000 and overwhelmingly reelected. And from the beginning, the United States was determined to overthrow him. And it was a classic counterinsurgency strategy of um, denying loans, uh, paying millions of dollars to foster what they called the democratic opposition, paramilitary attacks on Aristide supporters and communities, and finally a full-fledged coup, which the US you know, flew in Marines to surround the palace, kidnapped Aristide, took him and his wife Mildred Aristide to the Central African Republic, which was a French neo-colony, um, and then forced him into exile for the next seven years, you know, until the movement in Haiti, you know, and internationally um, fostered his return on, um, you know, in uh, March 18th, 2011, he returned. Okay, the coup was aimed at destroying the democratic process in Haiti and beating back the achievements of the Aristide government. And the Aristide government was a progressive, you know, people-oriented government. So it built more schools in the in the period that they were in office than had built in than had been built in the entire history of Haiti. There was a massive literacy um, program that reduced the illiteracy rate dramatically. There were 
um, health clinics built in both the poorest areas of Haiti and rural areas that had never seen a doctor or a nurse or a health worker before. Parks were built, lighted parks, you know, were built in communities like Cité Soleil, which had never gotten any of those kinds of public services that we take for granted. Um, there, were, there was an incredible campaign of both of education um, and mobilization around AIDS, you know, and the reduction of the number of, you know, of people who ended up dying from AIDS in Haiti. All of these, like 20% of the budget went to education. Um, over 15% of the budget went to healthcare. For the first time, like unpaid taxes were being collected from the tiny elite that was in control of Haiti. The minimum wage was doubled, you know, under Aristide. People like there were radio programs where the um, elite who had not paid taxes in years were called out publicly. And already at the end of his first term, Aristide had disbanded the Haitian military, you know? So these were like the classic kinds of um, measures that both the Haitian elite hated and the United States couldn't tolerate. It was, you know, Aristide and the Lavalas movement have always been an example that the United States has worried about in terms of the Caribbean and Latin America. And just like they did with our Benz in Guatemala or later with Zelaya in Honduras or over and over again in the history of this hemisphere, they staged a coup and attempted to destroy this movement. Thousands of people were killed in the period of the coup. You know, I mean, shot down in the street, neighborhoods were assaulted, you know, by armed paramilitary groups. Some estimates are that about 10,000 people were killed in the first coup that removed Aristide in 1991, another 5,000 were killed, you know? And so all of this was aimed at decimating the, the popular movement and it had a huge impact. And in its place, we've had one government after another that's basically been selected by the US, you know? And so you have, you asked about Jovenel Moise and here we are, we're years away. You know, we're close to 20 years away from the coup. That would be in 2024. So, you know, it's what, 17 years now of coup d'etat governments and a United Nations occupation. Like when I went to Haiti, I went to Haiti after the coup in 2004, just as the UN was taking over from the US, France and Canada. And there were UN troops everywhere, Brazilian troops in, you know, in Port-au-Prince, um, Jordanian troops in the popular community of Cité Soleil, Chilean and Argentine troops in the north of Haiti. This was a massive international US-led occupation that has continued into this day and then installed one government after another. Jovenel Moise, 
the recently assassinated, you know, a number of months ago, but fairly recent, assassinated president came into office first through a totally contested election in 2015 that had to be annulled because of massive fraud and popular protests. And then there were months of protests in the, in the midst of the next election that put him into office. So he was never considered a legitimate president by the people of Haiti. And I'm talking about, you know, over the course of his administration, hundreds of thousands of people in the streets demanding that he be removed as president. And his response was a series of massacres in popular communities, including one in the, uh, in the uh, community of La Saline, which I don't know if you've heard about, but in 2018, there was a massacre by police and paramilitary forces connected to the government that we think killed well over a hundred people, you know, and that human independent human rights observers, you know, came in and said that this was a, you know, a major massacre in Haiti, all right? Covered even, even snuck into the US press, which does not cover these things in Haiti. So Moise was repressive, he was corrupt, there was a massive scandal over Petro-Caribe funds, which were the, the Venezuelan program that's, that sends oil, you know, at far below market prices to countries like Haiti. And the idea is that then the Haitian government was to use the profits that it gained from the sale of the oil to, you know, bolster social programs. Billions went missing, you know, into the hands of government officials, into the pockets of the elite. And so that sparked another wave of protest against the Moise government, you know, like under the slogan, where is the money? Like, where is it? You know, we haven't seen it. This was a, a major program to invest in social development. And where is it? It's, it's gone. It's in the pockets of government officials. So by the time that Moise was assassinated, you know, he himself said, I, I know I have a million enemies, you know, and he did. We think, and from all evidence, the assassination was, a, you know, a reflection of like an internecine fight within the elite, you know? And so you had Colombian hit squads, you had DEA informants, you had members of the elite in exile being tracked down, et cetera. None of it has you know, fully been investigated or come to light, although there's been a number of arrests, but clearly it was a power struggle, you know, within, from the top. Like it was not something that, you know, was done by the popular movement in Haiti, you know. And right before his assassination, he had appointed Ariel Henry, who's now the, you know, de facto prime minister of Haiti. He'd appointed Henri as his new prime minister. And in the battles after the assassination, in the ruling class battles, 
um, the US sided with Henri and the core group, there's a grouping that's called the core group in Haiti, which is the US, the UN, Germany, France, the OAS, the EU, on and on that have constituted themselves as basically a colonial governing body for Haiti. And they made it clear within a week that Henri was their guy. And even though the term of office for Jovenel Moise, which has always been contested by the people of Haiti, even though it was supposed to end on February 7th, Henri is still in power. And the US position is that he should maintain power and supervise the next stage of elections. People in Haiti who've experienced one phony election after another are calling for the end of this regime. They're calling for a Haitian solution to the issue. They're calling for a transitional government that would, that would be in power for three years, representative of a broad swath of community groups, political parties, et cetera, the opposition. Fami Lavalas, which is Aristide's party, has been a part of that coalition. There's been a, an accord signed called the Montana Accord, but the US is meddling with it, attempting to kind of parachute leaders into it, attempting to defang it and kind of, you know, negotiate between Henri and it to try to come up with a US brokered solution. So there's a lot of struggle within that grouping at this point, but it's clear that this government has no legitimacy, has to go. And that's like the demand by the overwhelming um, majority of political forces in Haiti. So that's kind of the, the connection of the coup to today is that the Aristide government and the Lavalas movement represented a progressive democratic change in Haiti, the most progressive government in Haiti's history. And it, it was you know, surrounded and stifled and attacked from the beginning, both when it came to power in 91 and when it came to power again in 2000, in 2001. The, sometimes people get confused because Aristide did come back in 94 after the first coup with the backing of the US, but that was because there were so many massive outcries internationally and there were thousands of Haitian refugees hitting the shores of the US, you know, uh, an international outcry against the coup. And so yes, the US, came, Aristide came back with US troops, but with the United States making it really clear that they wanted to maintain control when Aristide didn't go along with their program, refused to privatize major state-run um, industries, refused to accept, you know, a lot of their dictates around not raising the minimum wage, et cetera they made it clear that he would never, that, that number one, that his term had to end immediately rather than give him the three years in addition when he was exiled and that he would never come to power again, you know, with US support. So that's the, 
that's the basic outline of what's going on in Haiti right now um, to give you the context for current developments. Well, just to kind of inquire further on that, I'm curious about two aspects of kind of popular resistance to the Western backed kind of regime set up on Haiti. So the first, as you mentioned with, with Famila Velas, the position that they've taken against the IMF, I wonder if you can explain how that played a role in this, this resistance triggering kind of the, the coup against Aristide and the, the further tightening of control over Haiti with the IMF and with, and then with, so then to, you know, carry that into the modern day, because I think as you, as you pointed out, there are a lot of trends there, then Moise accepting an IMF loan and an IMF restructuring later on in his term and how that plays a role in now this ongoing popular resistance starting in 2018, but, you know, having a lot of, a lot of roots before that. And then I guess the last thing to speak on would be what the current status of this uprising is, how it's been affected by the assassination. I know I saw a lot of uh, uh, a lot about the the workers, garment workers uprising mm -hmm. uh, in this past year, and so I guess that's where we can kind of conclude is to carry this trend from Aristide beginning this popular resistance to the Western uh, and the IMF-backed finance regime, Moise kind of uh, complying with it, and then the resistance mm -hmm. against against his government. Right. Well, that's a lot of questions. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a lot of questions. So let's, you know, let's try. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Lavalas has called the IMF's plan the death plan. Mm. You know, and there's no question that anyone who was coming to power in Haiti had to deal with the IMF and had to deal with the World Bank and all of these international institutions. And, you know, like I said, Aristide pushed back against them. You know, I mean, according, you know, the IMF wants you to reduce wages, mm. you know, and the Aristide government raised the minimum wage. They want you to, you know, they attempted to create a fully export-based economy. Lavalas pushed back against it even you know, uh, with attempts to support the rice industry, attempts to support local agriculture, attempts to build you know, community-based um, cooperatives. You know, all of this was you know, the, the, the extensive funding for both agriculture, local agriculture, um, education and health all went against the IMF. Um, practices. One of the things that the IMF has done, um, and you referenced it with Jovenel Moise, and you know this is continued because Lavalas has not been in power since the coup. You know, I mean, Praval came to power after Aristide. You know, and Praval had been associated with Lavalas, but by the time he came into power, his policies were very, very different and much more supportive of the IMF and the, and the World Bank. But if you look in the recent period, um, the IMF demanded that the Haitian government cut its subsidies for fuel. You know, that's a very, that was a, a very important, and, and the Haitian government went along with it. And that sparked 
huge demonstrations because the price of fuel skyrocketed. And, and people use fuel not only like for transportation, but to heat their homes, right? And so when the price of kerosene or gasoline went up, like the price of gas in Haiti is higher now than it is here. You know, so people think that the, you know, oh, you know, like when you hear things like the garment workers make $5 a day, people think, well, it's Haiti. The cost of living must be just minuscule. It's not, you know, the price of fuel, the price of food, you know, very, very high, you know, because a lot of it, you know, number one, government corruption, number two, the export-based industries and the ability of the elite to get whatever they want, you know, for both food and, um, and fuel. So the cost of living is very, very high in Haiti. One of the things that's happened in the recent period, as you referenced, is the, the fight of the garment workers. And it's very significant because um, for like under, under baby Doc Duvalier, Right, the Duvaliers ruled Haiti for about 30 years. Under baby Doc Duvalier, Jean-Claude Duvalier, whose term ended in 1986, was overthrown by a popular movement that then led to Aristide getting elected. Um, Duvalier, Jean-Claude Duvalier had opened up Haiti to assembly plants in Port-au-Prince and around the country like one of the big things being textiles, garment. Like, so companies, US companies flooded in to Haiti. Right now, after the earthquake in 2010, Hillary Clinton, who was then the Secretary of State, went to Haiti and, and said, you know, disasters provide opportunity. And, you know, Haiti is now open for business. And part of the business that they were open for is they created free trade zones in the north of Haiti that set up garment factories along with more free trade zones in the Port-au-Prince area, you know, which are paying workers basically starvation wages. And the, the apparel that's created, you can go into a Target, you know, or Gap, you know, or H&H apparel. And they're, you know, a, a bunch of their garments are made in Haiti. And so the garment workers who hit the streets of Port-au-Prince recently by the thousands and staged, uh, you know, a, a few days of a strike, you know, de demanding that the minimum wage for the garment, um, for garment workers go up from really about $4.80 a day to $14.80 a day. We're not talking $15 an hour here. We're talking per day and it's a nine hour day, you know? And so these garment workers were in the streets for days. Hundreds of thousands of people were in the streets with them, their families, their supporters. And who are these workers? They live in the communities that have been under attack by the government. You know, like when we say that there've been massacres in communities like Bel Air or La Saline, these garment workers are not outside of these communities. They're from those communities. So they've experienced all of this. They've experienced the repression. 
They've experienced the inabilities to sustain um, a living, even though they are working like enormous hours per week. They've seen the prices rise for food and fuel. So their demands, you know, are not only justified, but they reflect the strength of popular organizing in Haiti at the base, in spite of all these things that we've talked about, all the repression, the foreign occupation, the IMF strategies, Clinton, you know, whatever, the movement in Haiti is an incredibly powerful one and it's never been stopped. You know, it hasn't achieved power again, you know, and, it, and there are incredible obstacles to it achieving power but it has never been crushed, you know? And that's the significance of, the, of this recent garment strike. You know, now what did the Henri government do? Number one, it attacked the workers, like the police attacked the workers, killed a journalist, wounded a lot of people, attacked them with live ammunition and tear gas. And when tear gas in Haiti is like a particularly, they found ways to, particularly irritating um, gas that really um, impacts the skin, right? And so they've been doing that, rubber bullets, live ammunition, uh, attacking the garment worker demonstrations. And plus, Henri, the Henri government said the workers had used violence, you know, and condemned the violence of the workers. Total impunity for the police who shot and killed on these demonstrations. And then in the end, they offered a very minuscule increase in the, in the wages, right? Now the strike is not ongoing at this point, but the demonstrations are, and the movement is, and it could blow, it, you know, it could explode at any time, you know? And that's the, you know, that's the situation. The situation in Haiti is like a, a cauldron you know, with the US sitting on top, trying to keep everything under control so that they can move into one more government that's completely in the hands of the elite and completely responsive to them and the core group. Well, thank you so much. That was a, a really like a good update on the situation. I know I've been following it a little bit. Um, I'm originally from South Florida, so when the assassination oh, okay. occurred, it was a, a big event uh, in my area and, and I was following it pretty closely. And also to say that a lot of the, uh, the networks of, of the uh, assassination seem to kind of come in and out of South Florida as well. Yes. A lot of the money transfers and the, the Colombian squad that came in, you know, came, coming in, in and out of Miami. So is a particular kind of fascination um, and of course, a very morbid sense because it was like watching the U.S., you know, or not the U.S. government, as you said, because it's kind of a uh, the product Combo. of like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like the product of an internecine conflict from the conditions the U.S. has, has helped stoke mm -hmm. through the first coup against Aristide. So yeah, it's it's no understatement to say that 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 coup and the U.S. intervention definitely caused the modern situation that that Haiti's facing today. But yeah, that, that helps me understand a little bit better. And, uh, and I've appreciated reading a lot about, about the intervention against Aristide because it helps provide the context. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wanted to just say one more thing. And I know mm -hmm. you, your time is, 
is limited. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I want to say something about the um, about the immigration issues mm -hmm. and the the deportation of Haitian refugees, because since Biden has come into office, twenty thousand Haitians have been deported back to Haiti, and you know we we saw the scenes at the border. Like what was it in September? You know, and for a moment, there was this large scale, you know, very broad protest. And it was so embarrassing to the Biden administration because you saw these images on, of border patrol on horseback whipping Haitians at the border. Okay. And Kamala Harris said, this is outrageous. And Biden said, oh my goodness. And then they, they deported all those people. They removed them. They, they issued a, an edict to the border patrol that said, don't use horses anymore. You know? And then they removed people from that camp. And then one flight after another, hundreds at a time, you know, within, I think, I think about 4,000 people were deported within nine days. You know, so the eyes of the world were off. They, they, they got rid of the image. They got rid of the image and then they continued to deport Haitians back to the situation that they've created in Haiti. And one of the things that they've created in Haiti by empowering these paramilitary groups, you know, and calling it gang war warfare, but they've empowered these armed groupings within these communities you know, to help them commit massacres, et cetera. And then they have impunity to do whatever they want. And one of the things that's happened, there's the biggest spike in kidnappings in Haiti that Haitians have ever experienced. And the racist narrative is, oh, this is just Haiti. This always happens. And it doesn't always happen in Haiti. This isn't Haiti. This is Haiti under US control. This is Haiti under the administration of these one repressive dictatorships after another. And this is what people are trying to change, you know, when they demand the ouster of, of this government. So to combine all of this, you create the conditions. And then when Haitians flee, you send them back and you send them back, you know, into the nightmare that you've created. So, you know, one of the big demands is no deportation of Haitians, stop funding Haitian police, the Haitian police and the repressive government and all support for Ariel Henry and support a transition that's led by popular forces in Haiti. And I, I definitely hope that this comes true, but unfortunately, considering I think what we've talked about the US kind of history, I, I doubt the U.S. will allow this to occur um, without kind of its say on who who comes in next. So, but I but all you know solidarity. I I'm I'm very like supportive of of the uprisings continually, and I think of course Haiti has a history of of revolution and you know overthrowing colonial regimes. So hopefully it it will happen again. And of but, surprising yeah. people all over the world. It's very true. Definitely. You know, with yeah. with things that did not seem possible to do. Right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, okay, really, I'm gonna yeah. send you, I'm gonna send you some information about an upcoming event that we have on April awesome. 30th. That'd be great, you know, yeah. 
And I, okay. I'd love to attend it. Yeah, and we'll promote it as well on our social okay. media. And, and, yeah, and thank you so much for your interest and support for Haiti. You know, much mm -hmm. appreciated. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for talking to me and, and giving this update. I really appreciate it. And I'll, I'll continue to be in touch. Okay, so, yeah. great. Thanks so much. All take right. Care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.